Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Let's first of all pray. Father, thank you so much for your glorious word this morning, Lord. We come to you now in open hearts and looking forward to seeing the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, we pray in his name, amen. Okay, uh, Matthew chapter seven, verse seven, two verses this morning, Matthew seven, verse seven. Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Now, we've been hearing the Sermon on the Mount, and the Lord is now turning now to the subject of our needs in life, and he's addressing our needs in life, and he begins with an instruction which is very simply one word, ask. And with that word, ask, the Lord is really guiding us into a position of life which is different from the world's position because it's a real ask God position in life. This doesn't come normal to us, ask God. In other words, it's really a turning away from self, it's a turning away from the world for help, and it's a really a turning to God for help in life. And we don't like to do that, because in our human hearts, we rebel against this turning to God. We want to say, I don't need God for help, I don't need the help of God, I'm independent. God is for those who need a crutch in life, I don't need a crutch in life. And what's happening now is that the world is moving farther and farther away from God. And so there's now a whole generation in this country of people today that are so far from God that there's just no concept of asking God for help in life. This last week, I had the privilege of hosting some Israelis. And as I looked at these Israelis and his friends, dear friends, and asked myself the question, what can I do to help them? How can I help them? And I realized that one of the most valuable things I can do is we all stood around a buffet table there with the food that's been prepared, and I explained to them, I said, you know, it's my practice to just to thank God for this food. Not just to dive into it like it's some sort of a routine, but to explain, I said, thank God for the food. Some, and this is a very awkward time, and sometimes I'll actually make a joke out of it and say something like, you know, since I prepared this food, believe me, you're gonna need prayer for this food. <laughs> but anyway, and I'll just thank God for the food. And it's a guiding, you know, I remember as a new believer, when I had just come to the Lord Jesus, and I was with Pastor Jim, and I remember that when we would get in the car, before he would start driving, he would pray out loud. And I thought, and he would pray, he would pray before he drives. And I thought, I used to think to myself, pray before you drive? This is so strange to me. I've never been, seen this before. 
But it really helped me, that practice really helped me to see that God should be asked for in everything in life. And this world around us, they need to see a person, the world needs to see a person who has a life orientation around ask God. And that's what really verse seven is talking about. To assume this position in life, this ask God position in life, is to turn to God for help. It's to turn to God for help for every aspect of life. It's to turn away from the world from help and life and to adopt this position, to adopt this ask God position in life. It's most people think about asking God for their their really big problem, a really big mess in life. But what the Lord is saying here in verse seven is that this is a new orientation in life. It's an orientation that starts off with, I need help from God from everything in life, not just the big problems. And that's why in Pastor Jim's example of praying before he started driving, it was so valuable because he was demonstrating this ask God position that it means to abandon pride, abandon the pride that says it's all about me. It means to become like a beggar from God. You know, a beggar is desperate. A beggar asks for help. And this is the position that the Lord Jesus is guiding us into. It's It's a position to look in life and to say, I'm so desperate for God's help. I must have God's help. Without God's help, I'm lost. So this is an ask God position. It means to really admit that we don't have what we need. It's an admission. Like the time, I remember the time when we took our family on on this eight-week vacation to Washington, D.C. and over into Europe, and, and yours truly was the designated driver, and yours truly was absolutely convinced, didn't matter what new place we were in, that I knew how, where we were gonna get. And many times I was lost, and everyone in the car knew that I was lost. <laughs> but we just kept driving, because I refused to admit that I was lost. And finally, when I had to admit we were lost and I had to ask for help, it was so humiliating. And that's the way we are in life. We need help. We need to ask God for help. It's so humiliating. But the Lord is leading us into this area when he says, ask. He's leading us to come to the place of James 4.10 where he says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. Asking God for help is humbling. It's humbling because it's an admission that we're not smart enough. We're not smart enough to know what we should do. We're not strong enough to not fall into temptation. We're not good enough for God to be attracted to us. The only reason God is attracted to us is because he sees our great need and he comes in and says, boy, this person really needs help. And that's why he's there. And he's waiting for us to get down on this level where he can lift us up. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he'll lift you up. So to adopt this ask God position in life, it's very humbling. It's to stop, to ask God, to get this ask God position, is to stop with the I'm too proud to ask. It's the stop with the I don't need to ask. It's to stop with I have all I need without any help from anyone, including God. And God's promise in verse seven is, Ask, and it shall be given you. And that's a gift. That's a free gift from God. We just ask, and God just gives like a gift. The heart of man is too proud. The heart of man is too proud to accept a free gift. The heart of man says, no, I need to pay for that gift. I have to pay for that gift. And God is not saying, 
ask and it shall be sold unto you. He's not saying ask and you can buy this from God with your good deeds in life. God says that no man's a good person. It doesn't exist. He says in, in Mark 10, 18, Mark 10, 18, there is none good but one, and that is God. And so God gives to us these gifts when we ask him for them because God gives to people that are not good. And this is what, what, what we already looked at in Matthew 5, 44, Matthew 5, 44, where the Lord said, I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, pray for them that despisefully use you and persecute you. And then he says, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. So what does that mean? That means that God loves his enemies, that God blesses those that curse him, that God does good to them that hate God. So to take this ask God position in life is really to realize that God will answer our prayers not because we're good, but because God is good. And the Bible says that we should have so much help in life that the only reason that we don't, the only reason we don't, all this help is available to us, there's only one reason we don't have all this help, and that's because of James 4.2. James 4.2 that says, ye have not because ye ask not. So what does that mean? That means that God is waiting for us just to ask. And when we don't ask, I mean, you see, you can almost picture God as he's there, and he's, you know, he's waiting for us to ask. And when we don't ask, he's got the help. He says, boy, they need help, that's for sure. I'm, I'm waiting for them just to ask for it. I'll give them the help. But when we don't ask, then God has to come to the conclusion, well, huh, I guess what is not worth asking for is not worth having. Now, Now the Lord guides to the next. So that's the first part. This ask God means to take an ask God position in life. And now the next part. The Lord guides us to the next level of life, which is to seek. He says seek. This is a seek from God position. Now, this is a very, very important word because we've all lost something and we've lost something that really means a lot to us, whether it has value to somebody else, it has value to us. And when we've lost that, that something, we stop everything to find it. I remember when I lost a ring, and I practically tore the house apart looking for this ring until I finally found it. I remember, Gene, I think you told me one time that you lost your wedding ring. I remember that. And you about tore the house apart until you finally found it. I remember you telling me it was in the vacuum cleaner. Anyway, but this is the meaning behind the word seek. It means to search for something of value. It means to look for something of value. The Lord Jesus told the whole parable about this when he said that in Matthew 13, 45, 13, 45, it's really a parable that is illustrating this word seek. He uses the word seek in the parable, and he says in Matthew 13, 45, that the kingdom of heaven, again, the kingdom of heaven, is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Now, the Greek word here that's used in this verse and also in Matthew 7, 7, the Greek word here that used here for the seeking 
on the part of this merchant man who was seeking goodly pearls is a very important word. It's the word zeteo, zeteo. And zeteo, when you look at this word, and especially in the context of the other places where it's used in Scripture, there is a measure of intensity in this word zeteo. Zeteo is not a casual word of browsing or shopping around in a market. Boy, I remember those days in Los Angeles when we had the department store Orbax, and Orbax on Wilshire Boulevard near La Brea Tar Pits, they would have these sales and they would advertise them in the full page of the LA Times. The sale was coming to Orbax and I'm telling you that if you want to see aggressive women <laughs> line up at those doors before they opened up at Orbax, you know, if they had those women in World War II, we would have won the war faster. And when they would rush in there and they would know like an Exerset missile, they would go exactly to that table with that stack of whatever there was on it. Oh boy, the hand, how do I look? Pull it out of your hands if you even get near that. Anyway, that's this word zateo. Zateo has this word of intensity to it. It describes a desperate search. And it was used, for example, about the women who came to the Lord's tomb after he had been buried to care for his body. And the angels, when the angels saw these women, the angel used this word in Matthew 28, 5. Matthew 28, 5, when the angels answered and said unto the woman, fear not, for I know that you seek, I know that you zeteo, Jesus. You seek Jesus, which was crucified. There was an intensity to them. They were at great risk venturing out with this, and they were with the, where is he? We, we must find him. It wasn't a casual. It was very intense. That's the word Zeteo. When the enemies of the Lord, they had finally arrested him. They had him in their hold, and they were seeking in their trial to have something could condemn the Lord, looking for witnesses, any witness who would stand up and give them some basis to condemn him to death. And this word zeteo is used to describe the intensity of their search in Matthew 26, 59. Matthew 26, 59, where it says, now the chief priests and elders and all the council sought false witness against Jesus to put him to death. They sought, they zeteo, false witness against Jesus to put him to death. That was the intensity of the, does anyone here have a witness against this man? It was no casual thing. This is a zateo. And zateo was used also, I mean, I've explained so bad, you know, in the case there. But zateo, with this essence of intensity, was used when the Lord stood up and he said, this is my one-sentence mission on earth. This is why I've come. I, here it is in a nutshell. You want to know what here? I'll tell you. It's Luke 19.10. Luke 19.10. The Lord said, the Son of Man is come to seek Zeteo and to save that which was lost. There's no casual browsing. This is the good shepherd. The good shepherd is intense. He's intense. In John 10, 11, John 10, 11, he describes himself as the good shepherd, and he says, I am the good shepherd. 
The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep, the ultimate sacrifice. There's an intensity there. And so this is the intensity of the good shepherd who leaves the 90 and nine sheep. He leaves the safety of where the 90 and nine sheep are in an intense zateo hunt for that one lost sheep, where as he described in Luke 15, four, Luke 15, four, when he says, when he asks the question, he says, which one of you, what man of you, having 100 sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the 90 and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it. And the intensity turns to joy when he finds it, as he says. And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, I have found my sheep which was lost. This is the Zateo search for that one lost sheep where the shepherd risks his own life to go out and get that one sheep that's lost. It's the intensity of the good shepherd, the Zateo intensity of the good shepherd where he's not gonna sleep. He's not gonna sleep until he brings that one sheep back. You get this feeling of intensity in Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 11. Ezekiel 34, 11 where the Lord speaks about this intensity of search. He says, for thus saith the Lord God, behold, I, even I, will both search my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd seeketh out his flock in the day that he is among his sheep that are scattered, so will I seek out my sheep and will deliver them out of all places where they have been scattered in the cloudy and dark day. So Zateo expresses an intensity, and it's this word of intensity, the Zateo, that the Lord uses to describe this picture of the businessman who's looking for the valuable pearls, and he finds this goodly pearl, and he sells all that he has so he can have it. So who is this businessman that's looking for the pearls? Well, he's a type A businessman. He's intense in his search, He goes from supplier to supplier, pearl supplier to pearl supplier. He's looking for the best pearls, and he goes through the pearls that they have to offer, and what he does is he's going through these pearls. He says, no, 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 no. He says, no, no, no. These are not what I'm looking for. Don't you have any other pearls to show me? Don't you have any better ones? And when they don't, he moves on with a greater zateo, a greater intensity in this pearl businessman is driven, he's just driven. And when he comes to the pearl suppliers, they think, okay, here he is again. He's gonna drill us with his eyes, he's so intense over these pearls, and when he leaves the suppliers, they look at their colleagues and say, he's gone. Where's the fire with that guy? Why is he so driven? Why do these pearls have to be so life and death with him? They're only pearls. And pretty soon, he's going around, and he gets a name. He gets a name. He's Mr. Pearlman, you know, just to signify, you know. We have these names among my people, you know, Pearl, Pearlman, Pearlstein. Or if it's not pearls, it's gold, Goldman, Goldstein. If it's not that, it's silver, silver, Silverman, Silverstein, Ruby. Anyway, we have these names. You know the type? (laughs) I don't know if you know that. We have these types among my people, the intense ones. Not that I'm in any way like that. I don't want you to think that. So in Matthew 13, 45, he is the merchant man seeking goodly pearls. 
You know, it reminds me of my friend, Steve Lowenthal. And Steve was always trying to sell me some rare type of human blood, which is important in our business. And Steve was, I remember when I first started talking with him, Steve was so intense on selling me that I remember one day when I was in Lakeside, I remember one day I got off the phone with him and I was so nervous and so upset inside, not upset, but just so wound up that I actually had to go outside, look up at the sky and take a deep breath to recover from Steve. Now that was Steve, Steve Lowenthal. He died of a heart attack 10 years later. Now, this is the way this merchant man seeking goodly pearls was in this parable in Matthew 13, 45. He's a Zeteo. He has a high intensity, he's type A. He's driven in his search for good pearls. He's scouring the field in search of the best pearls. And then it happens with this man. He meets a pearl supplier who shows him pearls and he goes through the routine of, don't you have anything better to show me? Don't you have any other pearls? And this is the day that's so different as this pearl supplier says, yes, yes, I do. I have one more pearl, but it's very special. It's very different. And I know how valuable this pearl is. And I know the way you've been trying to run down my prices. I mean, I don't even want to show it to you because I don't think you're going to pay my price. And the merchant man seeking the goodly pearls, he says to him, oh, but you must, I must, I must see it. I must. And then the pearl supplier brings it out. Maybe he brings it out on a black velvet piece of cloth. And the merchant man, he's stunned. He's stunned with the beauty of it. He's never seen such a beautiful pearl before, such a wonderful pearl. And he says, I must have that pearl. I must have it. This is the pearl I've been looking for all my life. I'll give everything I have to have that pearl. I'll sell everything I have to get the money with that pearl. And he says, and the merchant man says to the pearl supplier, how much? How much? And he tells him the price. It's an enormous price because, you know, the supplier knows what he's got. And so his name is also Mr. Pearlman, you know. Anyway, and the merchant man says, sold, sold. He says, sold, I'll buy it. Hold it for me. Don't sell it to anyone else. I'll go and sell everything I have to get the money to buy that pearl. And so the merchant man goes off, he sells everything he has, and he returns with the money, he buys that pearl. And the merchant man takes that pearl, and he says, now I have finally found what I've been looking for my whole life. This is the pearl of great price. I'm now out of the pearl business. He says, my Zeteo search and life has ended today. It's over. I don't have any more money. I don't have anything. I sold everything to get this pearl, but it's okay. It's okay because I got what I was Zeteo searching for in my whole life. I found what I've been looking for. I have the pearl of great price, and I am satisfied. I'll never sell it. I spent my whole life to find it. Now I have it. I'm out of the pearl-seeking business. I'm satisfied. And after describing this Zeteo intensity, Mr. Pearlman, merchant man, the Lord turns to the listeners of this parable and he says, you've just heard what the kingdom of heaven is like. That's what the kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like the intensity of this Mr. Pearlman, merchantman, who seeks that one pearl with the drive you crazy in Zeteo intensity. He knows what he's looking for. When he finds it, he has found it. He sells all he's got to get it. He gets it. He's satisfied. 
And what the Lord was referring to in this elaboration of the word zeteo was the lost soul who's looking for what will satisfy his soul. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. 